What's up, RPG fans? Welcome back to the Switch RPG Podcast, episode five. I am one of your hosts, Philip, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Geo. What's up, sir? Hey, what's going on, guys? How's your week been? You know, same. Busy. Work. That Keeping same. up with that yard work? Yeah. Um, it was a good week this week. It got a lot done, but, you know, never ends. Never ends. I am still doing zero yard work over here, so let's just jump into the episode. If this is your first time listening, ladies and gentlemen, this is the show from SwitchRPG.com that brings you exciting news, upcoming game releases, and all the latest in the world of RPGs on the Nintendo Switch platform. After that, we then read your questions on air and try to answer them if we can. Remember, we're all about community, so if you want to be a part of the show, you can do one of several things. You can email your questions to podcast at switchrpg.com. You can tweet using the hashtag switchrpgpodcast, or you can dive into our Discord server at discord.switchrpg.com and post in our podcast channel at the end of the day. We hope you know that we want to hear from you. Before we jump into the episode proper, we've got one element of housekeeping. Geo, we've been asking for those five-star reviews on all of those podcast platforms, and we do have a couple. Oh, nice. We weren't asking for five-star reviews. Yeah, I, know. If, I mean, I think we deserve it, but I mean, you know, it's, it's, up, to, <laughs> it's up to the people listening. We were asking for ratings and reviews, any honest ratings, and we did get a couple. So what I did want to do is read these five-star reviews, and I want to let you know that if you do leave us a five-star rating and then a nice little review, we will read it on air. So there you go. Our first review came from Solid Transient, and uh, it leaves a nice little comment. It says, as a Switch-owning RPG lover... This podcast is going to be awesome. That's fantastic. And then Thanks. from M Ball Sub, I wonder who that is. No idea. Another another uh, short but very polite and encouraging comment with a nice or a new quality podcast to add to my queue. So we're glad for both of those reviews. And once again, we do ask if you listen on a podcast app. I know a lot of you just download straight from the website, and that is fantastic we appreciate that that still counts toward our sub count so you're doing your job but if you are on an app i know there's about 12 of you out there on the apple podcast app so if you want to drop us a rating and a review that would be amazing would be very nice and now on to the news geo first thing of news this week involves monolith soft it's recruiting for an, an ambitious, an ambitious project. Ambitious. I like the word. How excited, how excited are you about this? What's going on? Man, here? how ambitious, how more ambitious could they be after Xenoblade 2? Honestly, I mean, they they just, they hit, to me, they hit it out of the park with, with Xenoblade 2. You know, there are people putting hundreds 
of ours and they still say that they haven't they haven't seen everything which is which is crazy but aside from that you have these there you know you have them obviously it's a marketing ploy which is fine but you have these guys saying that this this is new ambitious project they're going after they have quite a few uh, job postings here now in the article um it doesn't show one that i saw earlier i saw some networking positions and i'm not seeing that in the article and i actually went back to the the monolith page and i didn't see it there either so i don't know if they were removed but i definitely did see it so that interests me you know are they working on something you know mmo like like i think xenoblade x was kind of like that um a little bit of mmo like so are they doing something like that the setting you know from the from the images that we have here are very different. They're nothing Xenoblade like at all. So I don't think we're going to get a Xeno game. It's not going to be like Xenogears or, you know, Xenoblade. I think we're going to get something totally different, which is awesome. It almost looks high fantasy like, which is again, awesome. I, I can't wait to see what they have uh, going on here. To back up what you're saying, the article that you did link to me, which is from NintendoEverything.com, uh, does at the very bottom say that their positions uh, may be related. Let's see, the reported we reported last month that Monolith was looking for an action planner with knowledge of online games okay. and medieval fantasy settings. So from that statement, uh, it does seem like they are looking for people who have worked with online games in the past, which gives uh, credence to your hypothesis that this could be some sort of MMO network connected type yeah, of or, game. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be MMO where there's like a lot of people getting together, but maybe something more in line to say Borderlands where it's, it's co-op well, not, not co-op, but you know, four players at a time or, or something to that effect. Um, I mean, some people consider Borderlands an MMO. I, you know, I guess it could be, but you know, maybe something to that, to that effect. I, well, okay. So here's a quick aside about MMOs. And this is something that I've been sort of philosophically thinking about over the past few weeks. And that is, you know, we talked about a couple weeks ago, what, how do we define RPG? Well, for mm-hmm. me, I'm like, I think we're getting to a point in gaming where it's hard to define what an MMO actually is. Sure. Because so many things are connected now and so many things are always online. It's like, oh, what is what is an MMO anymore? And so it's possible, look, this could fall sort of into this category where it's really kind of hard to define it as an MMO or if it's just an always connected online multiplayer experience that's not mm-hmm. necessarily massive like a a World of Warcraft or Guild an Elder Scrolls Online or yeah yeah so like everybody's on the same in the same world even though they're different servers but you know what I mean so yeah who who knows who knows who knows and but I think I think it's exciting I'm definitely all for the like you were saying the high fantasy feel and the screenshots are already like evoking some oh what's going on here that bottom one that we're we're looking at right now has a single character looking over she's like on the cliff side looking over what looks to be a city in the bottom that is like in the middle of a bunch a big body of water mm-hmm. and she's holding a crossbow she's got a backpack and like a red hood and cloak type deal so crossbow that that 
that that always gets me. I'm a sucker for crossbows for whatever reason. <laughs> uh, but hey, I'm like I'm all for this, and I'm kind of with you. It's like who over there in that studio like sat back after Xenoblade Chronicles two and was like, you know what, guys, we did all right, but that wasn't quite ambitious. So right. now let's go bigger. You know, right. so yeah, I, yeah, it, I'm very curious. You know, of course. They're going to say that. They're going to say it's the most ambitious thing. It's the biggest thing we've ever done because they're not going to say, you know, it's on par with Xenoblade 2. You, you kind of, you might like <laughs> it. They're not going to do that. We're going to do our best. We're going to do, yeah, we're yeah. going to, it's going to be average. Um, yeah, yeah. So that could be some definite PR speak, but still, I, I'm interested to see what the direction this takes. I'm interested. It seems like it's very early, so I doubt we'll get yeah, any... Right. I mean, we're just looking know. at concept art at this point, yeah. but... But, the, but I mean, the, they've... They're on they're on a roll, so... Mm-hmm. It's something to keep an eye out for. Uh, I looked at their previous games. If you go back to, like, 2002, uh, they've, they've been putting... Xena, they started the Xena Saga... Mm-hmm. series on the ps2 they've had some other stuff um and then of course 2010 they had xenoblade chronicles and then they've done chronicles x and chronicles 2 uh recently they've also done some project x zone and i've not played those those were 3ds games so yeah, i haven't played those either i haven't played those if anybody has please let me know what are those like because in my eyes Monolith Soft has been the Xenoblade Chronicles developer. I never mm-hmm. even played the Xenosaga stuff. So so I, I'm curious. It seems like they're on a roll, but it also seems like they haven't necessarily been the most prolific, right? Like they are more quan- quality over quantity. Right. It seems that way. Right. So now we'll see what this new project. Yeah. Uh, Time will what, tell. What it's like going. Yeah. All right, so next story is the Famitsu Award 2017 winners have been announced. This is coming uh, to you guys from NintendoEverything.com. I'll just read a little bit from the article here. It says, during a ceremony earlier today, the Famitsu Award 2017 winners were announced. Fans were able to vote on the various categories based on titles released between January 1, 2017 and December Thirty first, twenty seventeen. Now the top runners here for Game of the Year was The Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, alongside yep. Dragon Quest Eleven. And then under the Excellence Prize, we had Super Mario Odyssey, Splatoon Two, Xenoblade Chronicles Two, Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, Great Ace Attorney Two, Animal Crossing Pocket Camp, Dragon Quest Eleven. Near Automata, Danganronpa, V3 Killing Harmony, Resident Evil 7, Fate, Grand Order, PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, Pokemon, Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, and Monster Strike. Then real quickly, under the Rookie Award, we did have Neo, Battlegrounds, Horizon Zero Dawn. And then finally, there are some others. As you could go look at the article. But uh, finally, Best Game Maker Award went to Square Enix. So, Gio, what uh, what kind of stood out to you from this list here? You know, you you got two developers really kind of dominating. You have Nintendo, which really dominates this 
the list of winners as well as Square Enix. I know obviously Square Enix kind of won won a category here um, for uh, what was it again? The game maker, the, the yeah. game maker. Yeah, so they, you know, they they obviously deserved it, but you know, it could have easily been Nintendo uh, for having quite a few. Yeah, I want to say like you know, in, six or seven of maybe yeah. like fifteen or sixteen entries or something. Yeah, that's that's quite a bit. And they, yeah, they just could easily just swept the entire thing. Yeah, and I don't know how I don't really know how the selection process works here because it did say that fans were able to vote. So I'm not sure how much sway the fans uh, you know got on this. I don't know if the the magazine itself was the thing that decided the final the final say so. But right. uh, I so I don't know like if. They gave it to Square Enix because Nintendo had so many other things. You know, sometimes these awards like to spread the love a little bit so that Nintendo doesn't necessarily, you know, murder everything. But yeah, you're totally right. Nintendo had a lot here because they also had uh, Best Character Award and Link. Link won that. And right. And that goes to say that like all those are console exclusive. So Nintendo is doing pretty well for itself right now. Yeah, and and also RPGs. Uh, you, you look at this list. There's several really yep. really quality RPGs. I mean, Game of the Year split with Zelda was Dragon Quest XI from Square Which Enix. Maybe like we'll get eventually. Uh, at some point, we're going to get <laughs> right. yeah. And then in the excellence prize, you had Xenoblade Chronicles Two, fantastic game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Nier Automata, great RPG. You had Pokemon in there. And then Horizon Zero Dawn and the Rookie Awards. So it's a great time for RPGs for the Switch, yes, but then also just across the board in the industry. Yeah, in general. It's a great time to be playing RPGs. And hopefully we'll get, like like you said, we'll get some of these on the Switch. Hopefully Pokemon coming soon for all the Pokemon fans. And then then also, like you said, Dragon Quest XI is supposed to make it its way over here at some point. So At some point, yeah. What was the term they used? Um, now, oh no, I can't, now, I can't remember. Now the, the, what, the, um, the, the, the causality that was, uh, that's it. Causality. That, that was dark souls. That was dark souls. Oh, okay. Not Dragon quest. Yeah. Well, yeah. Dragon quest, right. something of causality. Yeah. Dark souls. Come on guys. <laughs> Get it together. Get it together. Speaking of Dragon Quest, though, a little piece of news here coming to you from RPGSite.net, and that's uh, the director of Dragon Quest 9, 10, and the mobile version of 11 uh, has departed from Square Enix. I doubt myself, I doubt my abilities to actually say his name properly, so uh, you can just go read the article. And But, I mean, this is this is interesting because... There is some that is a quality games, and it's a quite a bit of impact that he's had at the studio, and the fact that he's he's left. Um, I wish him the best. It looks like, aside from those games, the past few years he's he's mainly been working on some mobile titles, and then in the past year, his uh, his, his contributions haven't uh, he hasn't been working on too much, so he's sort of been phased out a little bit. But yeah, wish him the best. Yeah, I mean, he's he's worked on some some great titles, you know. Hopefully, he'll continue to work with RPGs in general and continue the the trend of the good work he's done with Dragon Quest. So, yeah, we'll we'll have to wait and see how this pans out. I guess. 
Yeah, absolutely. He says that he's not leaving the industry and that he hopes that this chance will give him opportunities for new challenges. So go get it, sir. That's awesome. All right, and final piece of news today is uh, coming from GoNintendo.com, and that's if you have not had enough of Xenoblade Chronicles 2. We just mentioned it with the list, and we did talk about this game earlier, just how massive it is and how great of a, a job Monolith Soft has done, and it seems like they are continuing that trend uh, because we have uh, information here about future expansion pass content uh, like I said, this article from Go Nintendo says that the expansion pass will have plenty of content to enjoy past May 2018 if 200 hours worth of game time was not already enough. Gio, what do you think about this expansion pass? I mean, they continue to support their product. Excellent. Now, this is what DLC should be about. You know, it was a little pricey, 30 bucks, but it was well worth it. It was jam-packed, but with added content this new um added content brings you some rare blades a different challenge mode higher difficulty level um i think people will like that a lot some people find it it's a little easy but man if you have some people i know have hundreds and hundreds of hours in this game and this is just gonna add on to that now i know i've i have i think i have about 130 hours in this game and I know I haven't seen everything. And I barely touched the surface of this DLC. And just the and they just keep keep adding it, keep piling it on, which is great. Yeah. So while other developers have in recent you know, in recent times sort of gone under fire for their DLC offerings, uh you know, cough cough, Square Enix with the new uh Shadow of the Tomb Raider DLC uh announcement. You know, it seems like some people just don't get DLC right, but Monolith Soft with this game specifically has done a fantastic job rolling out a lot of content for the for 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 the value. Uh, so mm-hmm. I mean, they already put out that free update that uh, you know, added in the new game plus, uh, added in some quality of life improvements. So, and now this is uh, this this stuff here is going to be is for uh, for the for the expansion pass. So. Um, a lot of good stuff, like you said, it's $30, but there's a lot going on here. More blades, the higher difficulty, battle mode, so all kinds of good stuff. And to me, one of the funniest things about this article is actually the comments, because there's some comments mm-hmm. down here. One yeah. person says that they're 300 hours in and still haven't seen everything. And then one person says that they've spent 500 plus hours on just wow. the main content. Now, I haven't gotten 500. I actually, I've put in 80, so a lot less than you, but I've only played about half of the story and 80 hours and some side stuff. So like, this is a dense game and it's a lot of really good content. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I said, it's definitely worth, worth this, the spend on this one for sure. Absolutely. And that's actually going to wrap up our news for this week. Some good stuff there. And now we can move on to talking about the games that we played this past week. Geo, hit me with what you've been up to. Well, I've had a mixed bag of games. I've been playing Elder Scrolls Online still. Um, and I've also started Super Daryl Deluxe. I like it. I like it. Um, but there, I do have some issues with it. Uh, I, like, I love the art style. I love the music. 
the thing I don't like is the it seems a bit the questing seems a bit repetitive to me. Um, there's there's really and I'm only a few hours into it. I'm not very deep into it, but the the variety of questing is just it's just oh it just keeps it's just the same. Also, you know you because you're in a school and it's kind of linear. I, I would say, and the deeper you get. The, you have to just keep retracing your steps. There's no quick travel, so it just it breaks it breaks it up for me a little bit. Not to say that it's a bad game. It's not a bad game at all, at all. But that kind of it just it ruins it for me a little bit. I hear you. I hear you. And uh, this is actually something that I'm I'm kind of glad um, about. You know that you're able to sort of be. Uh, the sort of the grounding a little bit because if anyone's read my review, I was extremely positive on it. I, I personally love the game. I, I love a lot of aspects about it. Um, and so I'm glad to be able to get a different perspective, somebody, a, a different voice in the conversation to breed discussion. I think that's a fantastic way to be. Um, so my response to the questing for me, I, I get what you're, I get where you're coming from because they are at the core fetch quests uh there's not a lot of variety there i've been playing some other games uh recently that really know how to shake up giving side quests and sort of hiding i think honestly i think elder scrolls online especially for an mmo does this really well of masking what fetch quests are and what other types of quests are super dark deluxe it, it isn't very hidden right like it it is go obtain these items and almost all of the quests are that the redeeming quality about them to me is in the writing and the narrative because I was at least entertained by receiving the quest. The person giving me the quest would always give me some uh, little quip or line or an explanation that either made me laugh or made me go, huh, that's interesting. And so it was always, instead of it just being, Hey, go give me five rat tails. It was like, I need these rat tails to make this witch soup for blah, blah, blah. You know, so like that's completely made up. But, you know, it was always like off the wall and something like in lore that made sense. Uh, so that was the redeeming quality in me was the writing. Um, wh- what do you think about the writing so far? And that was that's actually another thing. It, 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 it hits all the good points. Like I said, the art style, the music and the writing. The writing actually is is pretty funny um, and it's done well. I have absolutely no problems with any of those things. It was just the, and the combat was, was different. I didn't mind the combat. It was just the repetitive questing. And I really, I wanted, I don't know what else they could have done. Um, but I really felt like I, I needed something else, something different. Gotcha. And, and also like to your point about the, the little bit of repetition in the setting you're, I mean, you are retracing a lot. That is part of it. And there are transitions between maps, and while those don't necessarily equate to long load times or load screens, they do start to add up. Every time you fade to black as you're crossing through uh, these different scenes, um, that does start to add up. So, I mean, I can I get where you're coming from with the the retread nature. Uh, it makes it makes the game feel a little small. And to your point, there is no fast travel, which is something that would have sped that process up especially in the case of I just need to go talk to person A on the other side of the map, right? Go to person B on the opposite side of the map just to return back to person A, right? So that's just a long run back mm-hmm. and forth. 
you could have fixed that with a quick travel. Um, so I, I'm with you there. And quick travels for me is something that when games don't have it these days for me, I guess I've just been playing games with it too long. It's hard for me to go back to games that don't right. have some form of fast travel. Uh, so in this case, was it was it a, a choice? Was it a development choice or or, or what, what, what? You know, what happened here? Yeah, that, that, that is a good question. I, I do wonder if it was deliberate because they do give you sort of a warning at the beginning of the game. They, they, they talk about how it is challenging. It is meant to be challenging. So I do wonder if this was a choice to sort of be a little bit obtuse, a little push back a, a little bit because of the challenge. Um, you know, do I necessarily agree with that? No, but if that was the design choice, then, you know, there it is. Yeah, and it is what it is. But, I mean, the fact that there is no quick travel, that's that doesn't add to the challenge. I yeah. mean, you could still run through all the enemies. You didn't really have to face them, you know, head on. You could just, you can get by them. Sure. Um, so, I don't know that it adds to the challenge. It adds to my frustration. Right. But, but you know, other than those few things... Overall, it is still a very good game. Yeah, yeah. And I would say one uh, one other thing that kind of goes along with that for me that pushed back a little bit and I, I wasn't a huge fan of it was the fact that if you die, especially like in a boss battle, um, you don't necessarily just repeat the, that battle. You actually load your, your most previous save. So number one, if you forget save to save... <laughs> Yes, save at every single bathroom. Um, if you forget to save, you're going to be replaying a lot of content. But then number two, if you do save at the most previous, a lot of times there's maybe two or three scene like uh, maps between you and the boss. So if you die from the boss, you're loading that last save, you're running through two or three maps just to get back to the boss. So if you're talking about things adding up, that does get to add up. And it does, like you said, add to some frustration a little bit. If you're mm-hmm. if you're not used to that, and uh, and so I will say that that was something that that did kind of push back a little bit uh, for me in an enjoyable sense, like it just wasn't enjoyable. Um, right. So some of the positives, though, uh, I will echo from you, and I talked about this in my review as well on the site. I, I would say that the writing is is pretty phenomenal um, from the standpoint of. Character dialogue is just great because each character feels distinct to me. Even minor ones, like you're just running through the school and you're talking to the people. Everybody has a point of view or a perspective. And a lot of them are based on like high school cliches. Uh, So I think that that was an obvious choice. They're trying to lean into those cliches. And they do a great job of presenting those. It made the world itself feel a little bit more alive because everybody did have a little bit of personality. Um, And even the writing in things like the the menus and the item descriptions, uh, something that easily could have just been like baseball bat. It was like the baseball bat of Mount doom and you know, right. it gives it a little backstory, you know, and uh, everything had sort of an angle. A lot of it had a, a, a nerdy angle. Uh, Cause you know, there is, there's the, the D and D like mechanic. Everyone is sort of role playing uh, in a sense. And it's an obvious riff on, on Dungeons and Dragons, which is to me hilarious 
having yeah. played Dungeons and Dragons for years. So, uh, I mean, so the, South Park kind of does that, right? In the Stick of Truth. Yeah, uh, I, I believe so. Do. Haven't played Stick of Truth, but from what I've heard, yes, I think so. Maybe, yeah, yeah. yeah like the the everybody's everybody's got a role, and yeah, mm-hmm. and so that 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 adds to some of the complexity in the systems because. Uh, at the same time that you're leveling up your character and your skills, you are also leveling up your people skills, like your ability to talk to other people and your reputation right. with other people. So there are a lot of systems uh, and, and and quite a few RPG systems. I was very pleased because it does call itself an RPG Vania. And so I was wondering how much of that would be sort of Metroidvania and how much of that would be RPG. I'm pretty pleased with the RPG systems um, right. of the character level, the character progression, the skill progression, how you obtain skills through obtaining textbooks to learn new skills. And once you learn them, you can convert your textbooks into a different currency to upgrade skills. So you've got to manage yep. your, your your textbook collection. So I was very yeah, there's enough management in there to call it, I believe, an RPG. Oh, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, when you're when you're leveling it up, it does automatically, you know, give you health points. It gives you strength points. It does automatically do that for you, but you can kind of manipulate that with depending on what you're, you know, what you're wearing or what weapons you have. So yeah, there's enough in there definitely to call it an RPG. And I could see where they would call it a, you know, a Metroidvania because there are some points in the game again i'm not that far into it but there are some points in the game where you need certain skills to unlock textbooks or 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 whatever so yeah yeah and and i gotta say i gotta hand it to these guys they they're they're pretty smart too because there's a lot of there's a lot of funny things and i don't don't know if you, you got to some of these yet but there are a lot of funny things that happen and it's just like these things make sense but no other game would think about doing them so for instance uh like you said a lot of, I mean, all of your equipment has some sort of stat uh, attached to it. You can raise your stats. You can raise different types of stats based on the gear that you're wearing. But there's also sometimes some gear that gives side effects. Uh, the first time that you uh, you encounter this is when you obtain a vampire's cloak. Yep, that was the one. I the first did one not. I did not know what was going on, but I had been completely fine traversing every single map throughout the game so far and did not think about and did not read the the item description because it it, mm-hmm. it tells you it warns you what will happen but i didn't do it so the next time i enter a hallway that had a door to the outside if i approached that door i would start losing health and i was like what is going on i did not know what was going on <laughs> i did not know what was going on and i i i figured out after a few minutes Wait, if I get close to the sunlight, I'm right. losing health. And then I noticed, oh, wait, I'm wearing a vampire's cloak. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and the other bonuses to that were awesome. So you kind of wanted to wear it, except you obviously you don't want to wear it in the sun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was it was that was cool. Yeah, I and that. One that I haven't gotten to, but I saw on Twitter because uh, they they're they're great on Twitter at, at helping fans out because they're I mean the game does push back sometimes and it doesn't apologize for that it, it you know it it doesn't necessarily explain or hold your hand on every single thing so this one individual uh, said that he encountered his first game breaking bug uh, because half of his screen was black 
Oh, and yeah. The other half. Did you see this? <laughs> I did see that. Yeah. This is brilliant. So half of the screen is black and the other half is the actual game. And I was like, oh, dude, that sucks that that happened. And then I read their response and that's he equipped an eye patch. And so it <laughs> blacked out half of the screen. I was just like, uh, see, it's that level of humor and like the, the fact right. that they thought about that, you know, and that doesn't. I mean, you obviously that's like you can't really use that item, but it's it's there for like a gimmick and it's there for a yeah. laugh, you know, and I, I just really appreciate that about it. So, yeah, I, yeah. to my knowledge, no one's ever done anything like like that. Yeah, that, was, yeah. that was pretty cool. Yeah. So, you know, I, I would say uh, as a whole, you know, I, I think you, know, you bring up some fantastic points on things to watch out for. And, um, these are things that I actually might go and add back into my, my review just so that I, I do, I, I do want to be a little bit, I want to be very, very balanced in my, in my review. My review right now is very positive. So I may go back and amend some of it, uh, to reflect, you know, some of the, the challenges that, that we, we came across, but I will say that despite some of its flaws and despite the fact that it's not perfect because nothing is perfect. Um, mm-hmm. except for secret of mana. Well, um, um, you took the words right out of my mouth, actually. but, but I will say that I think from an indie team, this is a phenomenal, a phenomenal effort and a game that I, I applaud for having a unique art style, having an art style that you instantly recognize as this, uh, being dedicated to writing, and writing for the main quest, but also for side quests and for menus when a lot of indie developers that just don't do that because, you know, a lot of players aren't even going to pay attention to the, some of the stuff, but I appreciate right. that the super Daryl deluxe, the guys, uh, Dan and Gary, they, they paid attention to the stuff that a lot of gamers won't even notice. So, yeah, you could tell, you know, their passion, especially in the writing aspect, kind of just, it just poured in, into this game. It really did. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so Gio, have you been playing anything else or just uh, ESO and Super Daryl? Yeah, just ESO and Super Daryl, and I've been playing Minecraft with my with my son, four year old son. You can never go wrong with Minecraft. You know, he, <laughs> I build like these elaborate houses. Like I'm really proud of these houses I built. Right? We play co op. I'll I'll leave for a little bit or whatever. Let him continue to play, and all of a sudden, there. are dogs in there there are cats in there there's llamas there's like he just spawns all these things and lava and water like he makes a mess of it and like what what happened what happened he ruined my creation Gio, you gotta um, you and- gotta you gotta build him his own space man you can't just let him go running amok with everything else it's unbelievable we, i'm gonna have to talk to him does he does he catch, does he catch it on fire he yeah he he just loves catching on fire and he's really he's really smart and he's you know he'll be well, watching we have well, yeah, obviously well we, he watches youtube kids and he watches this one youtuber i guess who who can use tnt i don't even know how to use tnt yeah but he knows how to use it and he just he blows up all these things and my wife hates it because he's playing with tnt and blowing things up but you know it's pretend and he yeah, just not doing in the backyard mom no, not yet, but I mean, he has so much fun with it, and um, I just enjoy watching him because I, I kind of, I don't really remember. I remember some of 
my first time playing video games, but seeing him play it is just, it's a whole new, new world. I absolutely love it. So I've been playing Minecraft with myself. Fantastic. Uh, I have been playing a couple of different things. Um, I broke into God of War uh, mm. because I have a PlayStation and Geo doesn't. So, oh, and uh, yeah, the hype is real on that game. Uh, it's not perfect. Uh, there's been some people out there that uh, it feels like it's the second coming of uh, Mario 64 or something. But I mean, like it is absolutely phenomenal uh, and yeah. it deserves all the praise that it's been getting uh, from the cinematography to the storytelling the acting, the visuals, like it's going to be hard. I don't even have a PS4 pro and it's going to be hard for me to go back to some other games, you know, from the stand, like that are trying to accomplish the same thing. Right. So I'm fine if a game has a specific style that it's going for, but if you're going for like photorealism, you've got to compete with God of war now and it's going to be tough to do. So, yeah. So I like the fact that in that game and I don't have a PS4, but the cinematics and the gameplay blend. And that is just, that is just cool. You know, it makes it seem like it's one, you know, long playthrough. Uh, yeah. And, and the, one of their highly sort of advertised features of it is that it's one continuous shot. There is no loading screen. There is mm-hmm. no camera break in a cutscene. The camera never cuts. Uh, so it, it is very artistic in that, in, in, in that fact uh and, and that's impressive now to me what's even more impressive is that that is so in the background like as i'm playing i there were times that i forget that the camera doesn't cut and that to me is the mark of really yep. successful artistic direction because as much as they talked about it i was worried ah, is this going to get gimmicky like is this going to feel like there should have been a cut it doesn't it, it to me it no. blended into the background and it and to me, the story just took over and you're totally right. You haven't even played, but you were, you're right on it that the cinematics and the gameplay blend perfectly. There were times when I stood there for too long and I was like, wow, this is really extended. Like he's, he's really <laughs> taking in the, the scenery. And then I realized I was supposed to be moving or doing something, you know, right. cause like it, it really messes with your brain. Cause you're, you're, we've been, we've been taught and trained for years that you've got cutscenes and then you got gameplay. And a lot of times they don't mesh. Right. But this, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, there's very few times where it, it feels a oh, wait where like we're out of the cutscene now. So yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, I, I think that'll, that'll start being a trend that I think anyways. Yeah. 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 I have also, I played um, in my review for that is up now. Eternal edge. Um, okay. if you read my review, I talked a few minutes ago about trying to be balanced with super Daryl, maybe going back and, and, and adding some, uh, some cons. Uh, this game had a lot of cons and no pros for me, honestly, uh, mm-hmm. and that's unfortunate. Uh, cause looking at this game, I was hoping there was going to be some things that I liked about it. I had a lot of trouble with it, but you can go read my thoughts at switchrpg.com under the reviews tab for eternal edge. Um, I had a lot of trouble with it and I know you played a little bit of it and had some game breaking stuff as well. So it's unfortunate. Yeah, I had, yeah, I did have a few, um, few bugs where I would just kind of fall through the map. Um, you know, unable to really do anything, had to restart. 
Um, you know, visually, it kind of is a little muddy to me. I don't know. It, it just it just didn't didn't do it for me. And I feel bad because I know that these people, you know, they they put in their effort. It's not like it, they. It's just it's tough to to say that you know this, it kind of stinks. You know, it's not that great. But you know, I I did not I didn't enjoy it at all. I no. couldn't continue to play it. And I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, it's, it's tough to say because we do want to be mindful that, you know, people did put a lot of work into this and we're not saying that it was a lazy job or anything like that, but like some things just, some things just aren't, aren't, aren't good. And we've got it. We've got to call, call that as we see it. You know, we've got to be sure. honest because if we're not honest, then, you know, people can't trust us. But I mean, I did have a lot of trouble with this. Uh, frame rates were a major issue uh, be, because you're running around on the world map and then also in the dungeons it was, I, 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 I need a silky smooth experience, uh, for me that that's really important. I've talked about before. I would rather have performance over graphics any day. And the thing is, these aren't horizon zero dawn graphics. No. And yet it wasn't as smooth as horizon zero dawn. Like, like if you, if you're not going to have the graphics, then you got to have the performance and the optimization. I don't know if it's better on the Xbox uh, but on the switch, the, the optimization for the switch just, it wasn't there. Um, and then also you had all kinds of graphical bugs, uh, you know, whether that's, uh, it's not necessarily a bug, but like the grass popping in is distracting because it's so close to your character. Like your character has to get right up on the grass asset for it to pop in. Um, but then there were other like uh, there were times when the camera would pan over a landscape and the mountains would literally just change back and forth between uh, low uh, low res and higher res, you know, and just pop, yeah. pop back and forth as the camera went. So a lot of a lot of rough stuff, unfortunately, for Eternal Edge. Yeah, that is no bueno. Yeah, uh, but uh, something that I have been enjoying and my review of that will be <clears throat> coming later this week is Saturday morning RPG. Uh, yeah. I I am enjoying my time with this game. Uh, there are elements of it that that remind me of super like playing through Super Daryl. Uh, it is another high school set game that's playing on a lot of nostalgia. Uh, one of the one of the strengths of Super Daryl was that I felt like I was playing a cartoon. Same thing with Super Mario, uh, not Super Mario RPG, Super uh, Saturday Morning <laughs> RPG. Goodness gracious, Saturday Morning RPG. You do feel like you're playing a cartoon because it, it is playing on a lot of those tropes. So, and I think you said Super Mario RPG because it kind of does have the element of almost a real time combat and a turn based combat. Kind of, you know, you have to kind of dodge an attack when an attack has happened. I think, and it's what well, it has has quick time events. I don't think Super Mario RPG has that. Um, yeah. but I, that might have been why why you said that. <laughs> a little Freudian slip there, but sure. Uh, no, 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 but you, you, you hit it. It, it. it does some interesting things, and I won't get too deep into it because I will talk about it in the review, but it does some we interesting do. things to turn-based, and I was really pleased with that because, uh, and I had a conversation about this with with, with someone else um, recently, but that turn-based isn't dead. I think what we just have to do is find different ways to present turn-based so that mm-hmm. you know, developers and gamers don't feel like it is you know, just lazy and or a thing of the past right so other ways that you could do it is something like what 
Saturday morning RPG does. It does add the defend mechanic so that you're having to time a button press as you're getting attacked. And, you know, your timing of that, uh, it changes the how good your block was and, and how good your block was restores more magic points. And, and also like whenever you're using certain attacks, certain attacks are attached with a, a sort of a little mini game where you might have to, if you remember like final fantasy 10, I think it was Titus's, uh, his, his limit break. You had like this, the, the little bar that went back and forth and you had to like time it just right on the, on, on the target. You have Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, so, or there are, like you said, quick time events with certain buttons. So yeah, different different things to shake up the turn base. I'm impressed with. Uh, we'll we'll keep playing that because uh, I got to write that review this week. So yeah, don't give away all your secrets. No, people no. I got to have a clickbaity title and then uh, hold all my good information to the end of the article. Yes. Secrets to journalism success. <clears throat> anyway. Um, so yeah, uh, between those three things, that's that's uh, sort of cut. Oh wait, hold hold the hold the cards. I have also there's more. Oh, and one more thing. I've been playing the 2013 Tomb Raider. What? Yeah. You going back? You going back in time? Going back in time. I because I played a little bit of it. I played probably the first hour and a half, maybe uh, several okay. years ago. Never finished it. And uh, playing God of War actually. Uh, I was like, you know, there's some elements of that I remember from Tomb Raider that are sort of in this and elements of like Last of Us and Uncharted. Like it, it does a lot of things great. So I, I'm, I'm going back and I want to finish Tomb Raider. So so did the new um, the new trailer kind of inspire you to go back or was it more God of War? Uh, a little mm-hmm. bit of both. A little bit of both. Yeah. 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 Hearing that the, other, the, the new the new Tomb Raider was coming out. Uh, I kind of I kind of want to get into it, even though Square Enix may be, you know, screwing themselves a little bit with the with the DLC. Uh, I I like the franchise. I've 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 followed it. I've just never played it. So going back and playing it. Cool. All right. So now let's <laughs> talk about games that are on sale. Uh, we've got the new one that was added this week was Brave Dungeon plus Dark Witch Story. Combat. I don't. No, that was not part of the title. Anyway, uh, that is on sale for six twenty nine, carrying on the tradition of weird price tags. Yeah, Once come again, on, guys. Yeah, that must be. What is going on? Yeah, and that is USD as well. Uh, nothing no releases this, this week. week. Huh? Yeah, no. no releases this week. A little bit of a little bit of a uh, time off before the next one. So let's jump into listener responses we finally got some responses to our side quest i'm so excited yeah um do you have those responses pulled up um i do um so the responses were in regards to the last week's questions of microtransactions and loot boxes of video games are they pure greed or a modern necessity cr magic from the discord server said he's gonna go in the middle but closer to greed in a free-to-play game they do serve a purpose but you have to resist the temptation to allow the PVP environment to become pay to win in a fully paid game though. It better be decoration only. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree. I, I do agree with that, you know, in a, in a free to play game, 
you know, that's kind of the, how they're going to get a little bit of uh, cash flow. I can yeah. totally understand that. Although for me, I'd still rather pay up front for a game and allow the other content to be um, free, but I prefer it the other way around. But yeah, if you're going to have a pay to win game, that's just, I don't know how anyone honestly plays a pay to win game unless they're, they just got their parents credit card and they just spend it on whatever. I just don't know how anyone can enjoy that. We also have a response from Two Wild from Discord. It says, uh, microtransactions I'm fine with and free-to-play games. It is hard to believe a game like Path of Exile, I know a game, Geo, that you're high on, is free-to-play. When I pay $60 for a game and you are charging me for costumes, I get annoyed by that unless if it unless it is for charity. Also, if you have so many microtransactions that it costs more than the game, I don't buy the game. I don't count expansions as microtransaction, even though they technically are now. Loot boxes are pure greed, and I'm glad some countries are classifying them as gambling. I played some phone games that had them, and depending on what character slash item you got from the loot box, it can totally change your experience with the game. That is wrong and should not be accepted. So that is why I say it is greed. I would have to agree with everything he said there. Path of Exile, again, is a phenomenal, phenomenal game, especially free to play. And loot boxes, yeah, that just hits on those notes, you know, for addictive personalities to just get hooked. And it's just, it can be dangerous. And it is, it's, it is greed. His greed for sure. Uh, yeah, and in fact, talking about the talking about the gambling, uh, we did have was it Phineas Fool who talked? Yes, Phineas Fool. Uh, he made the comment that in relation to loot boxes, if, uh, if we haven't already heard, Belgium recently officially classified mm-hmm. loot boxes as gambling and made them illegal, and that is something that too well alluded to was that some countries are looking at these and and seeing them as gambling so there's that i know that that's been sort of a hot topic in the u.s as well on what you know what we should do uh about it is it gambling is it not uh so it's something it's something that is continually evolving and those definitions are going to continue to evolve i i am with everybody on on the fact that okay for free to play it is a business model but it does feel a little cheap it does feel a little cheap whenever you have a sixty dollar single player game and it has a store with microtransactions to me that that feels weird still i don't know if I'll yeah ever... shadow of war does that right did that found out this week that they are doing oh. away with the micro with the, with the microtransactions for that game okay yeah they let it run for however long the game's been out now and now they're doing away with the microtransactions. So there's that. Good. Um, yeah. It, it, so I, I think it's a little cheap, but I also think like I, I talked about this last week. It feels like it muddies the water a little bit. Like I just want my single player game to have the menu with like a new game, resume game options, That's, quit game. Yeah. Like, I, you don't need more than that. But I, then you got like the, right. the store with the pop up in the top left or the top right. And it's just a mess. So no. Yeah, and and I don't even, for me honestly, I don't spend any money even on costumes because again, like I mentioned last last time, I could care less what my character looks like to be honest with you. 
So I I <laughs> I like I like I like aesthetic. So costumes for me, especially like in an MMO, I'm okay with because they are just purely cosmetic. And if people mm-hmm. want to jump at them, by all means, jump at them, throw money at them, and give the developer. Yeah, a couple bucks here and there. I will say I don't like when they're tied to loot boxes. To me, that's not an appealing yeah. thing. Like I would much rather, kind of like you're talking about, you'd rather pay sixty bucks and just get a game than get a free game with with the with 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 money like a microtransactions tied to it. I would just rather you give me a store like in an online game, give me a store and let me pay four ninety nine for a costume or nine ninety nine for a costume, rather than. 99 cents for a loot box with a chance to win a costume like i just i don't i don't like that so yeah over overwatch i believe does that yeah it's I mean, just that's an appeal to me yeah me neither all right so great great yeah great responses from last week's side quest uh questions from this week from discord uh start with captain vulgar he asks two questions here First, what are y'all's thoughts on phone games being ported to the Switch? Gio, what do you think about mobile games being ported over? First off, I couldn't get past the y'alls. I I just, it's just. There's always one one a week and I've (laughs) never been more proud. Oh, it just, it just makes me giggle. Anyways, um, I'm not a fan of phone games to begin with on a phone. Now, can they make the transition over to the switch? Sure. Um, I don't see a problem with that. I forget what game it was. It was kind of in the beginning of the switch switches timeline where it was a phone game and it came out. Um, and it actually was, was fairly decent. It was kind of an action RPG shoot. I can't remember what it was, but it wasn't ocean horn was it? No, I really I mean, that, is an, that is an example of one that started mobile and now it's on okay. consoles. I honestly didn't even know Ocean Horn was a mobile game. But to be honest, like I said, I'm not a fan of playing games on a phone. But it, it can certainly be possible being ported over if it's done. If it's done okay, I guess. Uh, but the generally, the quality on a phone game isn't the best, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to is... Number one, did you optimize it, you know, correctly for the platform? Did you optimize mm-hmm. it for the switch? Did you map the controls in a way that makes sense? Uh, is the gameplay built around a thumbstick and buttons, like, or or is it, you know, just like tap, like Mario Super, uh, like Mario Run? I don't, I don't, I don't see that necessarily being captivating on on the switch because. I mean, it's right. you, you just you're pressing one button, button, you know. So like, it depends. It really depends. And um, I, you know, the other thing, the other aspect to this is the microtransaction angle, right? Because yeah. a lot yeah. of mobile business models are built around microtransactions. So does that does that carry over? Do you do away with that? And then does that sort of break the game a little bit? So I'm very cautious. I'm very cautious about mobile games coming over also because yeah, I mean the quality isn't great and I, we were, we're already seeing a just gigantic influx of games into the eShop. I mean, it is already being oversaturated a little bit. And I think that things coming over from the mobile market into the switch is attributing, you know, is it's mm-hmm. one of the contributing factors to that. 
So look, I'm not saying that all mobile games are bad. I'm not. There are some clever ones out there. There's some well done ones out there, but they are sort of few and far between. So how do I feel about it? I'm, I'm cautious. I am very cautious and, uh, right. you know, I'd love to be optimistic, but I've I just, I haven't, I haven't played too many home runs on mobile, but I've played plenty of home runs from like Nintendo and quality indie studios. So yeah, I could see it go the opposite way, you know, being on the switch and going to mobile, but just the other way around typically just doesn't. It doesn't impress me. It doesn't do it for me. And, and thing, you can tell the quality isn't there for me. Yeah. And the thing is too, like games that work really well on mobile do so because they're made for mobile. And I, right. I am a huge proponent of build games for the platform that they're intended for. And if it doesn't work on another platform, it doesn't work on another platform. That's totally fine. Like a game built for VR should not work on a regular console. Because it's built for VR. Like, I, I, I'm totally okay with games coming out on mobile staying on mobile. Like, I, I, I don't need them everywhere else. Games that are built for Switch, let them, you know, or console, let them stay on console. It, not everything mm-hmm. has to be on mobile, and not everything has to be on console that is on mobile. So, right. you know, just, just make your game for what you want to make your game for. And if it works other places, great. But if it doesn't, don't try to force it. So... Right. Second question from Captain Volger is how would you improve the current UI for the switch? I don't have an issue with it. I actually enjoy it. Um, not enjoy it. It's not like I'm like, Oh my God, the switch <laughs> is UI. Screw Xbox. It's incredible. UI. I mean, but it's not loaded with, I, I, again, I don't know what the PlayStation one looks like, but for Xbox, it's got advertisements on it. It's got games with gold. It's got it's just loaded with stuff, and it's just some of it's unnecessary. It doesn't apply to me. But the Switch, you know, games, pictures, settings, perfect. I don't need all all of the other stuff. Um, I don't know that some people want a web browser. They want that web browser. Don't add the web browser. It's unnecessary on home console. It really doesn't make any sense. But it's perfect. It's it's no nonsense. It's it's there. I'll say that what I would uh, what I would like to see is a way to organize my games because uh, that's okay. that is the one thing like, sort, like, like just sorting, sorting yeah yeah like fi- folders wise. folders would work. I mean folders. Okay. Uh, thinking of I mean. Something as simple as like what the 3DS had, right? I mean, you could make folders and you could categorize your games. You could sort your games, drop games in folders, things like that. So uh, things like that, I would love to see themes. Uh, I mean, that that's something from the 3DS that every console has. You, know, you have yeah. the ability for more than just a light theme and a dark theme. Have, you know, game specific themes with backgrounds and, and menu music, things like that. I, I think... Look at, I mean, look at what you had on 3DS. Do that. That's fine. Uh, you talked about Xbox. I, I'm for me, and I'm not. I'm not from the Xbox ecosystem. So whenever I do enter it, it's a little overwhelming, honestly, because I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm assaulted by tiles and different tabs and advertisements, things like that. To me, that's a little bit of overloading, and I do have a little bit of sensory overload sometimes, anyway. So like that, that doesn't help. Uh, and and PlayStation. <clears throat> PlayStation does an okay job. Things are organized 
in, in, in a semi-logical manner. I think, look at what you did on 3DS. Like, you weren't far from great there. I mean, yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, I, and I, 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 I yeah. didn't think of themes that, yeah, they definitely, that would add add to uh, the appeal for me. I would like that, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I think Get right now it's just Nintendo. too right now it's too bare bones. I'm totally with you with sticking with simple, but bare bones is a little too much. So no, nah, bare bones. <laughs> Dry bones. Forever. Yes. Okay. Uh question from <clears throat> Meatball Sub. This was from Discord. This was actually a question from last episode and slipped right by us uh, last week. So we're gonna ask it this week and I'm gonna answer. He says, what do you think has to be done to make the next Dragon Age game successful? Most people were a bit mixed on Dragon Age Inquisition, while the same people and others loathed Mass Effect Andromeda for a multitude of reasons. With the Mass Effect franchise put on hold for the foreseeable future, my fear is that this could also happen with Dragon Age if the next one is poorly received. Well, what they need to do is not have the studio that made Mass Effect Andromeda make the next Dragon Age. Well, they don't have to worry about that because that studio was dissolved into a bunch of others. <laughs> oh, that's right. Thank, thank God. Because the problem wasn't with, for me, with Mass Effect Andromeda, the problem wasn't really with the gameplay or anything. It was just the animations, for me, just threw me off. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't even concentrate. And I love Mass Effect, and I couldn't, I couldn't get past that. And some of the voice acting was okay. It just didn't feel like up to par with the other Mass Effects. Now with Dragon Age, I really didn't have a, a problem with it. I'd never completed Dragon Age Inquisition. That was my only introduction to Dragon Age. Was Dragon Age Inqu- Inquisition, and I didn't have an issue with it. So I really don't have much to add to this. I know you you have mentioned that you appreciate Dragon Age a little bit. So what do you think? Okay, here we go. Here we go. Oh boy. Should I just should I go get a drink or what, what <laughs> okay. should I do? All right. No, I'll keep this brief. I'll keep this brief. But uh Meatball Sub, this is what they have to do. Number one, they need a new publisher. Yay. EA unfortunately has the kiss of death when it comes to many of their games. Uh, I mean, if you look at Dragon Age 2, that game was a was was a dumpster fire because EA forced them to make it in a year. Like they they just make they they make it difficult for developers to make the loving like to 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 make the games with the love that that they deserve. Now, I will say that they were they had more time with Inquisition, and Inquisition was an improvement. It was a step in the right direction. Here was my problem with Inquisition is the engine. Uh I I had a lot of issues with the engine that was made. A lot of like like Gio said with Andromeda, I didn't touch Andromeda, so I can't even really talk about the animations with any level of expertise, but for me the the way that the models and the characters were designed in Inquisition felt off to me. Um, some people might not have had any problems with it, but like the lighting for me felt really weird. Things felt too shiny. It felt 
too metallic and chromey. Like like uh, like the armors didn't to me shine with any level of realism. Uh, if I look at something like Horizon Zero Dawn or God of War is is a, the most recent example of this. Those are both photorealistic games like like Dragon Age Inquisition was trying to be. But if you look at the lighting in those games and the the way that the lighting hits armor and the way that the character models, the, the faces and shadows interact with the character models, it feels so much more realistic than Inquisition did. And I don't know if that was due to the engine or to the fact that it was like their first go around in the engine. But like things just felt off to me for whatever reason. So I really need for that to, to, I need to see an improvement in that area. The other thing that they can do is to go back to the roots of, of Dragon Age a little bit. And that's uh, to focus more on tech uh, tactics. Uh, the, the core of the core Dragon Age fans are coming from a lineage of, of like Baldur's Gate, right? And, mm-hmm. and these, these isometric tactical games. And that's the core. Uh, that's, I know that's not popular today. The, the strategy today is reach as many people as possible. But I think for it to be successful, maybe not monetarily, but for it to be successful and to be loved, I think you've got to look at what appeases the core audience because you can have a game that that really speaks to a core that that is successful i think you let those people carry it home and i think a lot of the things that they took away in inquisition you know with uh with like the the gambit system or that's what it was called final fantasy 12 the uh I don't know the tactics, right? So you can set up your your characters to like if this, then this, right? Um, they took that away, and and they 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 boiled it down to just uh, person like personalities, like uh, this person's going to be aggressive, or they're going to be tactical. Like uh, it was just it watered down. So I think they need to find a way to go back to a greater emphasis on tactics. And, um, and make it optional. You know, if you want to have the tactics mode that you can switch on, that'd be fantastic. I'm of the belief that the more things that you can make optional for players, switch on and off, that is better for players. Because if you want that, you can have that. But if you want the simple mode, let people have the simple mode. You're reaching both audiences with this, with the flip of a switch. You know, I'm not a game developer, so I don't know how feasible that is but i mean in the perfect world that's what i would have you know so there you go i would say get more comfortable with the engine or go with something completely different um you and then focus on the core of what made dragon age great in 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 dragon age origins i do have some concerns though i'm totally with meatball sub here uh massive mass effect andromeda the track record of this team recently is concerning. The fact that they are focusing on Anthem right now means that Dragon Age, the Dragon Age game isn't getting the full attention. Now, I fully believe once Anthem is finished, and I and I think we can see what does Anthem look like, and then I, I some of my fears may be either you know put to rest or maybe heightened. We'll see when Anthem we, we see more of Anthem. 
but there has been some explanation of what dra- the new Dragon Age game could be and the fact that they're saying that it's going to be a live story and they're trying to figure out ways to continue to tell the story after launch. That's a little weird because we already have that in DLC. Like the Witcher's the Witcher 3 story didn't finish after release. Like it kept going. But that's a well-established game release style. Like you release a game and then you have DLC. So why call it something special like a live story? What it, like are we not getting the full story in the original release? Like that there's some baffling things. It concerns me that Mike Gladelaw is not there anymore and some other the the main writers that have been there since the beginning. So I'm concerned, but hopeful. So there you go. All right, so I'm back. What, what did I miss? <laughs> Shut up. I saw your camera the whole time you didn't leave. What what did I miss? Did I miss anything? Oh, um, yeah. Do you have do you have anything to add like coming from uh, from the Mass, uh, Mass Effect? No? I, I mean actually uh, going back to Dragon G- Dragon Age Inquisition, it felt almost too open. Like mm. there were points in time where I was just going to point A to point B where there was nothing going on other than an occasional enemy. It just felt open for the sake of being open. It's not even like there was anything really to look at in these environments. It was just, there was nothing like in breath of the wild kind of does that, you know, it is open, but there's visually it's, it's, and musically it's getting, it's, it keeps you interested, but dragon again, from what I remember, it didn't do that. It was just open. (laughs) <laughs> openness that is that is a fantastic point and i've talked about this uh before but there's a sliding scale where you've got open open world sandbox on one end and you've got narrative on the other and it's very difficult to get both of those things like you're either going to have strong narrative and it's going to be a little bit more of a, of a linear experience or you're going to have sandbox and story's going to take sort of a backseat to that. Like the world becomes the character and, and, and the right. focus. And there's nothing wrong with either of those things. But the thing is, I think the Dragon Age Inquisition tried to do both. And you just can't. You gotta, you've got to know what you want to do. you got to know what game you want to have. The game has to have an identity. To me, Origins tells a fantastic story. And it still allowed you choice in where you wanted to go and what order you wanted to accomplish, but it wasn't in an open world. And I'm fine with that. Like mm-hmm. let open world games be open world. Let dragon age be dragon age. Like dragon age doesn't have to be open world. If you want to have an IP, if you want to have a series that is based open world, if that's Anthem, let Anthem be Anthem. Right. Let dragon age be dragon age. Like I think a lot of times these studios try to make all of their games do everything. Don't. Let whatever let, game, let it do what it needs to do. I mean, I think at the time, you know, open world was just the thing. I mean, maybe they were just kind of trying to force themselves into 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 doing that. And and you're right about open world and narrative. I mean, Fallout, I believe, and I love Fallout, is very guilty of this. Especially Fallout 4, you have to, you know, go find your son. And you're just doing some quests. You, meanwhile, your son is just waiting. You know, you got to go find him. Like, what are you, what are you doing all these yeah other quests for so yeah you kind of have to suspend reality there and and um you know a lot of games are guilty of that but yeah and I, i'm with with uh dragon age inquisition just that it just didn't feel right to me and i think and maybe I think, that's why i didn't finish it yeah yeah uh i didn't finish it either 
what so and i think too i think too like a lot of a lot of the design decisions were responses to criticisms from dragon age 2 and i think that's not fair like like you had a year to make dragon age 2 so a lot of its problems stemmed from not enough time not the fact Mm -hmm. that like your core concept was flawed uh because one of the main criticisms of da2 was that there was no variety in setting like you were retreading everything, same assets everywhere. It didn't feel, it felt too closed. So they're and like, that's a guess not having enough time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so their response to that was, well, guess what? We're giving you open world. And <laughs> I just don't know if it fits the, the fits that, that setting. So anyway, there we go. Enough of the dragon age RPG podcast. We're back to the switch RPG podcast. And uh, yeah, so thank you everyone for submitting your questions. Remember, if you want to be a part of the show, you can submit your questions through email, um, emailing podcast at switchrpg.com, or you can uh, post in the Discord channel or tweet using the hashtag uh, switchrpgpodcast. Before we head off on our fun, adventurous side quest this week, we have a special announcement. We are offering... Exclusively for you listeners, for everyone who supported us so far, we appreciate it. We want to show you our appreciation by offering a giveaway, a special giveaway to our listeners. If you're listening, if you've made it this far, if you've listened to my extensive rant about Dragon Age, then you have a chance (laughs) to win. You have a chance to win a free code for Saturday morning RPG. I've already teased the fact that I'm having a lot of fun with it. So I hope that you guys would too. So if you're interested in this game at all, all you have to do is email switch. uh, I'm sorry. Email podcast at switchrpg.com, And you've got to answer this question. This is it. You just have to email an answer to this question. And uh, that will enter you in for a chance. You'll be uh, put in the pool for a random drawing. Uh, so answer this. We want to know, Geo and I want to know, we want you to name the individuals from RPG history that would comprise your personal Mount Rushmore. Your personal Mount Rushmore. And we want you to, we want you to tell us why each of those individuals would make it to your Mount Rushmore. Geo's already been telling me who would make his we're going to save that. We're going to save our answers for next week. I will give you an example. So, for example, maybe it's Tetsuya Nomura. Maybe because of the work that he did in the Final Fantasy series, the Kingdom Hearts series, uh, his his contribution to art design, character design, how he pushed, uh, how we view characters forward in, in the RPG genre. Uh, maybe he makes it to your Mount Rushmore. Maybe Nobuo Yamatsu for his work in music pushing music forward in the RPG genre. Maybe he makes it to your Mount Rushmore. We want you to tell us who it is and why. So, uh, Gio, how many, is, is it four? Is that? Yeah. For the, for those who don't know, yeah, it's four. So four individuals, if you can, um, that would be greatly appreciated. Yeah. For, I guess for, for our international listeners, uh, Mount Rushmore being one of our, uh, national monuments, yeah, we 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 put faces of people in a cliffside. So so if you were to carve a cliffside into four RPG landmarks, uh, who would those individuals be and why? 
And that will yes. enter you in for a random chance to win the code for Saturday morning RPG. Geo, are you ready for this week's side quest? Yes. Let's accept the side. Well, let's hear the side quest first. I don't know first if I want to accept this thing. Yeah, you you don't. You probably you probably just continue. Just avoid it altogether. It is a fetch quest. All right. Do you have any concerns in regards to the state of the current Nintendo eShop? Do you I accept? will accept this side quest. And I can just already hear the cool music that's underneath my voice right now. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, do you want to go first? You want to? I feel like I've I've talked a lot. Um. Sure. Yeah. I I can go first. Um. I have a little bit of concern with it, and and that's kind of why I wanted to bring this up. You know, we had a question about mobile games being ported over, over to the Switch, and there are many. There's a there's like you had mentioned earlier. There's been an influx of games, and I think a lot of ha- a lot of that has to do with the success of the Nintendo Switch. People are seeing they're seeing games just sell, 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 and people are hungry for for these games. And you're seeing a lot of bad games out there. And I don't know, I don't know if Nintendo. I don't believe they have that quality seal like they used to on um, the seal of quality anymore. And it's starting to show. And I don't I don't see Nintendo putting a stop to it, to be honest with you, because it's money for them, it's money for the developers. But I think it's reflecting in the eShop. And it saddens me. Uh yeah. So here's the thing though, that I don't think that they're 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 taking into consideration that playing the short game like this because like you said they're not necessarily going to stop it because it's money it's money for mm-hmm. developers it's money for them but in the long run i think it's actually going to hurt in a way because because of the influx of games and just like every day it seems like we're getting 25 30 games uh, and they're not quality it's, it's definitely quantity over quality at at some point I think we're already getting there. That amount of games is going to drown out good titles. Right. They're just going to be completely drowned. If you look at Steam, it is is difficult to find really quality titles because they're buried. They're needles in the haystack. So, but, and, but you have some sort of a rating system with Steam, which kind of helps. Nintendo doesn't have that, so you could sort in a Steam wire in a Steam um, catalog high rated games and generally those quick to quick to put on the console they're not going to be they're not going to be that highly rated so in nintendo eShop, you don't really have that you don't have a rating system so you can't you can't cut out these bottom feeders really you can't cut them out to get the good games and that's what you run into that you're totally right and you're actually bringing in a second layer of complexity here because because the thing is you're totally right. The fact that the eShop doesn't have a rating system that you can, or a sorting system that you can sort by like ratings and stuff that is going to make it difficult to find good games. But also even in steam in a, in a system where you do have high ratings because of the amount, the vast amount of games going on there, it's difficult to find 
a game that's good enough to give a high review. You know what I'm saying? Because like, okay, it, it's hard is because you can't. A game has to be discovered and rated before you can sort it by high ratings, right? So that's the gotcha. thing. It's okay. like the discoverability is is, is not there. Uh, from so there's the just way too many. There's just way too many, and I think I think it goes back to the seal of approval, like the quality seal. If you're just accepting everything, then it's going to be it, there's there's, there's got to be some sort of curation there. There's got to be some sort of quality curation. Um, somebody needs to be on staff that are like at least looking at these games, maybe testing them, playing them, and then you know once a week give me some like new indies that that are that actually are good, not just like random. That aren't broken. Yeah, they're not this? broken. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I do have a lot of concern and, and, and quantity is, is part of that. I mean, you're, you're totally right there. Um, and, and I think you, you offer a great solution. Uh, one of that is, is ratings sorting, uh, give me the ability to filter out games that I know and everybody knows are bad. I like, mean, that's all you really you really can't un- unless you you bring back the, the the quality seal. You know, you have someone at Nintendo, you know, at their desk te- testing these games. I mean, what else could you do? Is it has to be a some sort of a rating system? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, some it's got to be some form of QA. Like, there's got to be a quality mm-hmm. assurance because, and that's the thing. Like, it's 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 hurting reputation too because like you don't want I don't want the switch to become a garbage bin. A mobile phone, yeah, like a mobile phone. There's a lot of garbage on that on the phone exactly exactly i don't i don't want it to turn into that i don't want it to turn into a 99 cent garbage bin Mm -hmm. um with everything because i mean the 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 two topics that we've discussed tonight uh, like you said the mobile we talked about microtransactions last week and we're talking about the state of the eShop. they're all kind of intertwined in a way because you know we don't want the switch to become a mobile space we want games that were designed for this platform that are priced for this platform that have business models for this platform and that are optimized for this platform. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and games that are created with care because I don't want things. Cause I mean, you know, I think uh, some, something that we do neat, you know, in the community is we, we've been having these AMAs with, with, uh, with developers of, of indie developers and I think it's really cool to, to talk to them and to hear, hey, sales are, are doing great, but I don't want other indie developers to not have that experience because they're getting in, you know, six months from now and there's so much garbage there that their game can't get discovered. They cannot rise to the top. You know, I don't I don't want them to suffer from that. And I, and I fear that that it might get to that point. Yeah, it could get to that point, but I'm one. I believe that if your game is good, people are going to find out about it. They're going to play it. Um, you kind of see that. I mean, Steam, Steam World uh, Dig, that is um, it's an indie game. And, you know, it was kind of early in the Switch's life cycle, so there wasn't really much to compete with it. But people, you know, word of mouth got out, and that, that game just kind of rose to the top uh, along with Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley is just a one-man team. And, again, if your game is good and you know, it's it's quality. You can tell there's passion behind the development. It's you're going to see it in sales, and you're going to see it, um, you know, rise to the top. And that is the beauty of the world that we live in today, with 
I mean, with all the garbage that comes along with social media and things like that, it, it, it does give indie developers a chance because like you said, if you get enough people playing it, enjoying it, all of a sudden you're not just playing it in a vacuum. Somebody will stream it on Twitch. Somebody will do a playthrough on YouTube. Somebody will be talking about it on Twitter. Like there are ways for it to get out there, free marketing uh, all over the place. So yeah. Yeah. But I still want them to try to clean things up. (laughs) And I'm totally with you with the rating system. And then also uh, state of the eShop. Uh, I would like to see the eShop uh, get, like we were talking about with the UI earlier, just get get a little bit of a, a loving, a caring touch here and there, uh, tweaking some things. I kind of miss the music from past past things, like the little browsing music, like it's getting yeah. sort of in the mood to buy. It's getting me sort of loose to throw my money around. Like uh, now, right now, it's just me alone with my thoughts. So I love it. Keep it the way it is. Uh, Mr. (laughs) Mr. Bare Bones over here. Yeah, just don't just uh, just add a rating system and we're done. (laughs) There we go. There we go. And the rating is just good or bad. Don't don't even muddy it up with five stars. No, no. Thumbs up, thumbs down. (laughs) That's it. That's it. That's all. That's all he needs. All right. Well, I think I think we we nailed that side quest. And uh, remember, we do want to we do want to hear from you. So if you uh, want to join in on the side quest, you can do so in the discord channel uh post your responses to uh do you have any concerns about the state of the e-shop and remember we will choose the three best responses and read those next week well geo that's gonna wrap it up it's gonna be we this made episode it. we did make it we, made it. we did make yeah. it a uh, full disclosure for everyone full disclosure uh we have recorded this twice so that's just how much we love you guys. We lost our first recording and recording this twice. So I appreciate Geo for sticking through and, and making it through. And I appreciate myself for doing the same. So you appreciate yourself. <laughs> what? what is going on here? <laughs> uh, Gio, you got any, any last thoughts for this week? No, no, uh, no, nothing, nothing really again. And I say this all the time. Love, love the response we're getting from people. Um, keep up the good work. Absolutely. We do want to once again, thank you to men herself for giving us the uh, intro and outro music. And we also want to thank men and Mitch Childs for being our front page patron on Patreon. Remember we have the special giveaway this week for the Saturday morning RPG code. All you have to do to enter for a chance to win is email podcast at switchrpg.com with an answer to the individuals RPG history that would comprise your Mount Rushmore, your four highly regarded individuals and tell us why. And we will uh, choose a random winner from those email responses. That is going to wrap up episode five, our empire strikes back of the switch RPG podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to everyone who sent their questions and comments. Keep them coming by emailing podcast at switchrpg.com or posting in our podcast thread at discord.switchrpg.com. Remember you can listen to the show each and every Wednesday at our website. And you can also sub on your favorite podcast app. Once again, thank you to the two five-star reviews that we got. And we do ask if you're listening on an app like the other 12 of you on uh, the Apple podcast, please leave us a rating and review if you will. 
If you give us a five-star rating, we'll be sure to read your review live on the show. But thank you so much just for your listening and your support. Everybody who downloads from the website, you guys are amazing. If you like yes. what you hear, remember you can head over to patreon.com slash switchrpg and throw us a dollar or two if you can spare. If not, don't worry about it. Don't sweat it, guys. Just you being a part of our community is what matters to us. And finally, remember you can head over to switchrpg.com for all of your RPG needs for the Nintendo Switch platform. Until next episode, I'll see you guys around. Can I just say one more thing here? Go ahead. Go ahead, man. I'm not dry bones like you're telling me I am, all right? I have pictures on my walls. I have paint on the walls. There's color in my life, okay? I just want the Switch UI to remain the same. All right, I'm not this old curmudgeon that doesn't want any change. It's just, it's fine. Okay, just leave it alone. See you next week.